You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to Heart Sounds for March 2023. This is the podcast where you get to hear about the top cardiology news of the month. For this episode, I checked in with Katie Burlocker and Douglas Drachman to hear what they thought were the highlights from this year's American College of Cardiology meeting in New Orleans. I myself was on site with most of the TCTMD team, and I have to say it did have a different feel to it than last year's meeting, which for me at least was my first one back in person after the pandemic lockdowns. Douglas Drachman hails from Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston and was the ACC Scientific Session Chair this year, with Katie Burlocker, University of Pittsburgh, as Vice Chair. Here's our conversation about ACC 2023. Why don't we start with you, Dr. Drachman? Doug, what was the highlight for you? Maybe starting with clinical trials, what are some things you're going to take home to your practice? Well, thanks so much for having us. Uh, we were so excited about the meeting in general, and we think it all started off with a bang. At the opening session for the late-breaking clinical trials, there were three that were presented that we think have a lot of opportunity really to change practice. There was the CLEAR Outcomes trial, the Triluminate trial, and also the STOP-CA trial. So CLEAR Outcomes was effectively a presentation of almost 14,000 subjects that were enrolled in a randomized controlled trial looking at bempedoic acid to lower LDL cholesterol and reduce major adverse cardiovascular events. And it met this primary endpoint. It reduced major adverse cardiovascular events with a median follow-up of about 40 months and also reduced LDL cholesterol by about 21%. So in patients who are at high risk for major adverse cardiovascular events who are intolerant to statins, bempedoic acid may have a really important role in the future uh, to, to help these individuals. I um, think with and, that, it's going to depend on how much it costs, right? Like it's already approved, but I'm wondering that's the next piece we'll be writing about, I expect. But I don't think people are using it now, right? They've been waiting for this hard outcomes trial. I think it's really important to have these outcomes to help to guide people to know what's going to be best and how best to advocate for their patients. And we'll have to see about cost. Absolutely. Always important. In the Triluminate study, that was also really interesting because uh, the investigators sought to determine if a transcatheter edge-to-edge repair could help treat patients who have severe tricuspid regurgitation. This is an area in a field in which we don't have a lot of great therapies. These patients often have a lot of comorbidities and surgery often has a lot of morbidity associated with it. So to use a minimally invasive procedure to try to help them is something that's just really at the vanguard and something that could be incredibly helpful. Um, The investigators did find that there was a significant reduction in tricuspid regurgitation after the treatment, but also that patients had significant improvement in quality of life measures. Uh, fact, so this was drove a, the endpoint just to really jump did. in like that was the surprise right it 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 didn't show some of the harder things that we saw in the mitral space but it did improve those quality of life scores i think that you know we'll, we'll need to dive into the data a little bit more to understand exactly why that marker was really the most prominent finding uh, but i think it's going to probably uncover that this is a complex patient cohort to to register in the first sure. place they got a lot of other stuff that's going on and so i think we'll have to tease apart all those data as it really enters the real world and is the therapy that we can start to offer for these patients who don't have a lot of great options. And then one more you're going to mention. Yeah. Yeah. The the last one I wanted to mention just because it was a really exciting uh, opening session was the stop CA study. And this is one that looked at the use of statin medicines in patients who are going to undergo anthracycline chemotherapy uh, for treatment of lymphoma. This is a high dose of anthracyclines 
And, you know, statins are pretty innocuous therapy. So it was really a lot of hope placed on this, that this could help to reduce the impact of anthracyclines on the deleterious effect on left ventricular function. And the investigators did find that through the administration of statin therapies, the impairment of LV function was significantly attenuated by the use of statins for patients who receive anthracycline. So there really was not um, a reduction of LV function that often can be seen for people who do take anthracycline therapy. So this is something where with a relatively innocuous, well-tolerated therapy, we can hope to attenuate the adverse effects of taking anthracycline for, for cancer therapies as well. So a lot of hope and promise on the future, we hope for patients who have cancer and need these important therapies. Yeah, and that was just day one. Katie, Dr. Burlocker, you have some other hits I think you want to tell us about. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just hearing Doug talk about the opening session again brings me back um, to what it was physically to experience being at ACC 23 WCC, right? And and as as kind of we ended that opening session, we walked out with this group of people, like, and so much energy into the expo hall and then into, you know, where Fit Jeopardy was and all of the abstracts and everything. There's just this constant energy and wave of people that, you know, my face um, is already starting to like glow again because um, it was just so much fun. And I think one of the things that Doug and I were really excited and looking forward to seeing how it came to life was something that was new this year called March Matchup. Um, so this was a new session that we really built a different classroom with our entire staff and all of um, our faculty that were key to envision how we introduce more interac interaction and gamification or um, concept of competition, friendly competition, as Doug likes to remind me, um, into March matchup, which is fun. We So the entire, you, you kind of had to walk a little ways in order to get to the March matchup room, but it was like the excitement that would build. And then when you got to that classroom, it was, um, a party central basically because there was music and different lights and different themes and a different stage really there for um debates family feud other games there was an entire um i think doug help me remind me it was the interventional uh, trials of the year right that was like now yeah. now that we're in march matchup or march madness um that was kind of you know the trials and then they went to the finals as to who would win um the best uh, trial for the year. And so that game that game room was really, really fun. Um, and uh, we hope that it allowed for even enhanced learning so that people really would interact and take a, a lot of that home and retain it kind of as they would move on from the medium. Other highlights? I think that just in general, uh, it was so great to see people really interacting with the meeting and with one another. This was just like, it was like a homecoming. And a lot of the other educational sessions that were set up were in informal spaces. You'd see people at, for example, the heart to heart stage or a hands on skills center where on the first day we heard that over 800 people signed in to use kind of hands on instruments and tools to learn how to uh, manage patients who have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and whether they need a defibrillator or how to perform a pericardiocentesis. So there's a lot of interactivity. Um, also in the lounges, which are notoriously sort of a less formal space where people can come and go, join in discussion or debate. Uh, there was a lot of energy, a lot of interactivity, a lot of engagement with the education. And we heard a lot from the people who were in attendance to say that they really enjoyed this. They really felt like they're part of the educational program. 
and that they got a lot out of that experience. So that's something that we really will hope to uh, move forward in future years as well for ACC meetings. Yeah, I mean, I, I should have said, you know, my team was really covering the main tent. That's where they spent most of their hours if they weren't in the press room. So anyone listening here, I really hope they're going to go and check out TCTMD for our full sort of print coverage of that. But we didn't get to everything. And uh, Katie, we were talking about this before we hit record, but there was a new type of special session. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know there was more than one, but there was a session, you're going to have to remind me of the name, that really looked like it had been kind of stuff submitted as late breakers, but almost more preliminary. Tell right. us about that. Yeah, so the name of that session is the Clinical and Investigative Horizons. And that, um, you know, one of the things that Doug and I have yet to highlight is, is that this year was record breaking with regards to how much science was submitted. So lots of abstracts, lots of late breakers. And, you know, in light of that, it's hard to make room given the standard number of sessions that we have set forth. Uh, that we wanted to make sure that we highlighted everything. And there was this kind of group of, of uh, submissions that that really um, was, was kind of made us think about what was to come, right? So food for thought or enticing research that um, maybe wasn't as big as a, as a big late breaker, but was really, really thoughtful and got our juices flowing. And so we were excited. It was kind of a hodgepodge potpourri mix of, of things. So there was something, you know, I'm a cardioobstetric specialist. And so there was something on high sensitivity troponins and prediction of preeclampsia, which I think was really exciting. There was a, there was a trial there that looked at how we um, enroll in a more equitable way into trials um, in general across um, the spectrum of topics. And then um, there was also a greenhouse emissions and how we as uh, cardiology providers may be contributing to that with regards to our um, our uh, orders and whatnot, like our monitoring um, uh, at home. So it was, it was something that we hope People actually, when we when Doug and I went to go visit, it was standing room only, which was very exciting. Um, so we think everybody really liked it, and a lot of the faculty were very excited about the the topic conversations and um, what came of it. So I think stay tuned um, for all of those outcomes in the future. Yeah, that's the feeling I had looking at those sessions is all of it sounded really hot and topical and kind of adjacent to the kind of things we usually write about. And I thought, okay, we're going to be writing more about these in yeah. in the years to come for sure. Yeah. All right, the three of us could be here all day hashing over this meeting, but why don't you, I'll let you both add one more thing, perhaps, Doug, anything else we haven't touched on? Yeah, I think first and foremost, this was ACC 23 together with the World Congress of Cardiology. And from the get-go, this was a partnership with the World Heart Federation, and we had a very decidedly uh, significant focus on an international flavor to the meeting and really a focus on global health and eradicating cardiovascular disease around the world. This is a wonderful partnership, and I think it really felt like a different in a very cosmopolitan and international meeting, and that was very gratifying for us all to participate in. Yeah, I'd agree. What about you, Katie? Other last thoughts? Uh, one of my new favorite places uh, for ACC scientific sessions uh, is called the Health Equity Hub. That was new this year, and we, you know, we tried to weave health equity throughout the entire meeting and all of the sessions and everything that we did, but there was also a, a finite physical area that people could go to for special sessions um, in between uh, the planned meeting, but also some virtual reality that they could put goggles on and, and kind of do a case, but also some interactive um, thinking about what care and where they actually live, which was uh, fantastic. We love to see it. And it was um, hopefully something that will stay for years to come. 
Okay. I said last thing, but maybe we just should talk very briefly about the puppies because the AHA has had puppies and now the ACC has puppies. What's with the pup? Will the puppies be back next year? That's a very important question. I think by popular demand, they must be. I mean, there was a wonderful partnership with Take Paws, which is a, a rescue organization in New Orleans who brought rescue puppies uh, to the meeting. They stole the show. That was perhaps the number one question I was asked when walking down the halls was, where, where do you find the puppies? Yeah, Ben and Doak acid, move over. Where are the puppies? <laughs> exactly. It was, it but was, the, it was a, cl a close second, Doug, a close second. What's the close second? You know what I'm talking about. About Artie? Yeah, Artie. Yeah, of course. Right? Why don't you tell about Artie? Yeah, Artie was the kind of plush uh, little heart um, that was bright pink uh, that everybody got to take uh, selfies with that, uh, you know, was kind of the second thing. If it wasn't puppies, it was where's Artie uh, that we got to hey. answer. Okay, here's a question that's really hard hitting journalism. How many puppies do get adopted or are they just cuddled? Yeah. There, so first, I mean, the process is significant. People have to file applications. And we heard, you know, some reports over the course of the time, and I think at least eight applications were filed, uh, but there may have been more even subsequent to the meeting. It's wonderful just to bring attention, I think, to the fostering and yeah. ultimately the adoption of these puppies. They were adorable and uh, I, I think provide a lot of joy for a lot of people who went to the meeting. They do. Myself, there is a mental health. <laughs> yeah, there's a mental health boost with the puppies. Well, I, I know you both have some recovering to do from this year's meeting and uh, probably planning ahead for the next already. But thank you for taking some time to tell us a bit about ACC 23. And um, yeah, for me personally, being back there this year did feel different because I did attend last year, but it was masks and it was nervousness and all those things. So it was wonderful to be back again. Thank you both for coming on the Heart Sounds podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, you can find TCTMD's coverage of the trials we've just discussed on TCTMD.com, of course, as well as a range of other late breakers and other sessions that I didn't get a chance to talk about with the meeting chairs. And I'm sure I don't need to remind you, the TCTMD team covered a lot of other news and features over the last few weeks, as well as the Technology and Heart Failure Therapeutics meeting in Boston that was towards the end of the month. Meeting season is really just heating up in earnest now. In April, we'll have coverage of the European Heart Rhythm Association meeting from the other side of the pond. So please check back for that. If you have tips for an upcoming meeting presentation or a publication that's coming out or some other tidbit you think we should be writing about, please let me know. You can find my email via my bio on tctmd.com or you can message me on Twitter. Yes, I'm still on Twitter. I'm at Shelly Wood, too. Thanks for tuning into Heart Sounds. I'll see you back here next month. Do you love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original content from TCTMD featuring Talking Points with Dr. C. Michael Gibson and Rocks Art Radio with Dr. Roxanne Moran. All new episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. <laughs>